Okay, the biggest storyline of the NFL season imploded last night, just four plays into Monday Night Football, and it is a worst-case scenario. Then we're going from the football field to the presidential field with political hopefuls flocking to Iowa for some good old-fashioned tailgating. Plus, I've got Senator Tommy Tuberville on deck to throw it back to his coaching days and talk Trump's mugshot and potential shakeup at Manning cast as everybody talking. All that coming up, plus so much more. But first, let's talk some football. Outkick the Morning starts right now. Everybody, welcome on in on this beautiful Tuesday morning. I'm your host, Charlie Arnold. Now, Aaron Rodgers, he made his Jets debut last night, and to put it well, it didn't didn't really go well. In fact, uh, he only got to play four plays. On the first drive of the game, Rodgers hurt his ankle after being sacked by Leonard Floyd and was carted off the field, and he would not come back. His x-rays came back negative, and he'll get an MRI scan later today with speculation that it could be a torn Achilles. Now, if that is the case, it's likely season ending. Of course, we hope everything's okay, but Jets fans, I feel for you. Though honestly, would it be the Jets if this didn't happen? Robert Sala was absolutely stunned. A whole playbook designed around four-time MVP and Super Bowl champ, which for now is on hold. But when the injury occurred, his face spoke volumes and very closely resembled Edward Munch's 1903 painting titled Self-Portrait in Hell. I mean, come on, look at this. I, I couldn't see a closer resemblance. It's like he knew in 1903 that this horrible incident was going to occur when Aaron Rodgers came to the Jets, uh, switching teams for the first time in his career. And honestly, I came for the comments. Uh, I saw some really funny comments posted uh, earlier today. One of them, Rodgers' career at MetLife Stadium peaked at the Taylor Swift concert. It's kind of true. <laughs> the Jets took my childhood hero and ruined him in four plays. Jets fans, they know this emotion all too well. Finally, Rodgers got paid $50 million to tutor Zach Wilson for the summer and live his best life as an A-lister in New York for six months. Uh, sounds like a pretty awesome job. I am willing to take on that position if no one else wants to. Uh, here's the good news, though. Unlike the typical Jets, they did go on to win 22-16 on a walk-off punt return in overtime. And, and here's the other good news. At least we had the Manning brothers to keep us entertained the whole way through, uh, taking a little bit of that uh, a soreness out of the equation. The Manning cast has proved itself to be pure gold the last two seasons, and last night it did not disappoint either. John McEnroe, here we, here's uh, Aaron Rodgers on the cart in a boot. You're always kind of known for your calm demeanor. How did you react to seeing this? <laughs> oh my God. Um, I said back, way back when, once uh, I believe it was, you cannot be serious. Um, I've been told by my wife never to say that again, but I've got to say that when I saw that, I definitely screamed that as loud as I could. Uh, you can't make this up. This is uh, beyond belief. Uh, it is beyond belief and you can't make it up. And we thought, Maybe last night we are going to get a glimpse of a third member of the Manning cast. I mean, anything can happen, right? They did have an audition video where they said they were going to try out the best of the best talents for the role. But then we found out it was just a marketing tactic to make us want to watch Peyton and Eli even more. And guess what? It worked. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I play quarterback. Ooh, quarterback. We like that. You like that? I just said that we liked it. You 
like that. I mean, what is this guy's deal? Who are your broadcasting icons? Another one. Um, what would you say are your strengths? We the best. I'm just here because your guys have the most punchable faith in the history of punching faces. Nope. Not on this list. Mm-mm. You've been waiting here a long time, too? You know, it would be interesting if they did decide to add a full-time third member who would be the best for the position. Uh, I would say definitely not Tom Brady. I feel like there's just there's there's too much of a rivalry there uh, to allow that relationship to exist. But um, I don't know. DJ Khaled, he kind of strikes me as maybe a good one. Uh, got some good one-liners there. Uh, but let's talk about business for Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions. It has been absolutely booming. After being founded in 2020, the media company is now valued at over $400 million. It works with ESPN, Netflix, and also directly with the NFL. And they are the masterminds behind the already mentioned Manning cast. The successful Netflix series quarterback featuring powerhouses like the Kansas City Chiefs' Patrick Mahomes, the Minnesota Vikings' Kirk Cousins, and the Philadelphia Eagles' Marcus Mariota, which was renewed for a second season. And also, they're behind the Netflix show, probably didn't know this one, King of Collectibles, The Golden Touch, which also just got renewed for a second season. This, among many other projects that they have going on. Now, Peyton has always made it very clear he wants to be an owner of an NFL team, but as we all know, that takes a whole lot of capital. During Peyton's NFL career, he made $250 million in salary. That's just salary. That does not include endorsements. But this business venture, Omaha Productions, when he dies, does decide to sell one day, already being valued for a billion dollars down the road, will definitely surpass what he made as a player, putting him in great shape to finally join ownership brass. And Peyton, if you're taking any recommendations, I say forget Denver, go back to Indianapolis. They definitely need you there. Uh, now, you never know who you're going to see at a college football tailgate, especially a massive rivalry game in the biggest battleground state. Iowa versus Iowa State this past weekend was loaded with GOP candidates, but none were greeted quite like former President Donald Trump. A man of the people, and as we're used to seeing, he spent some good old time visiting a couple frat houses before the game. He was tossing out footballs, flipping burgers, and not one person seemingly concerned with his four indictments, 44 federal charges, 47 state charges, constant attacks from the media and the Democrats and Republicans all alike. It was really all love for Trump in Ames, Iowa. But meanwhile, Vivek Ramaswamy, forever playing the cool card, Took a shot of water with some fans. He always seems to be in a pleasant mood. And honestly, I like the guy. I think he would make a fabulous addition to Trump's cabinet one day. And then there's Ron DeSantis, who can't ever seem to fully feel comfortable in these situations. He entered Jack Trice Stadium. Hardly anyone registered any type of reaction per usual. And then there was this guy. I, th I think his name is Doug Burgum. I think only about two people in the stadium knew who he was. But apparently, he's running for president. Guys, bottom line, this serves as a firm reminder that it's Trump's world and the other GOP candidates, they are just living in it.
And now here to break down the rivalries on and off the field, we've got former coach and current Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville. Good Hello, morning, Senator. Sir. How are you doing today? Good morning. good morning. I'm so happy to have you here. Uh, okay, first here. things first, what is your reaction uh, to what we saw last night? Aaron Rodgers, everybody so excited to see him as part of the, the Jets team, excited to what he was going to bring to this young squad, and then after four plays goes down with what looks like could now be a season-ending injury. You know, I'm, I'm a huge football fan. I ran home last night to watch the opening of Aaron Rodgers' career in New York. And as I turned it on, I saw Zach Wilson playing quarterback, and I knew immediately what had happened. Uh, being a coach, I've been around that all my life. And, you know, it's just stuff you can't handle. Uh, it's just unfortunate, and it'll be a huge blow to the Jets. But uh, they things happen for a reason, and they end up winning the game uh, against a very good football team. So they'll have to make adjustments. What people don't realize is if you take 100 snaps in practice, the backup quarterback may get 10 or 15 and the starting quarterback takes the rest. For the last month, uh, Wilson has been kind of watching and learning. Hopefully, he learned a whole lot. He's a good athlete. Uh, he's not obviously as experienced as Aaron Rodgers, and it's going to hurt uh, the Jets for a while, but maybe they'll get back on their feet and get going. But uh, it is what it is. Yeah, so as a coach, how do you get the team to rally back from something like this? I mean, this was completely unexpected. Their whole playbook designed around Aaron Rodgers. How do you put them in a place where they're still ultra motivated uh, to get as far and, and exceed expectations like they were supposed to uh, leading into last night's game? Well, this is where a coach steps in. All the coaches, not just the head coach. Uh, I'm sure there was a very uh, energetic speech at halftime. Everybody's got to step up a level. And I, I noticed the games, the game went on. Uh, the Jets played much better. They they everybody played their position they played hard they gave themselves a chance and end up winning a game somebody stepped up and won the game so it's important that uh, in sports that everybody has to understand that they're only one way of uh, uh, one play away from being the starter as zach wilson was last night again it's just unfortunate for the nfl not just the jets the entire nfl uh, everybody's been waiting to see how aaron Rodgers would play for another team but uh you know they'll go on with it and i think the jets will do well with with, with wilson well, I hope they do well. Uh, Jets fans have been waiting long enough. Uh, they deserve to have a successful season finally. Uh, but we also just looked at the GOP candidates that made their way into the tailgate and also the game at Iowa, Iowa State this past weekend. And we saw the reception uh, that really didn't compare that was given to President Trump. Is there any scenario, Senator that, Senator, that you see that he is not the nominee for the Republican Party? No, I don't think. Of course, the, the, the Democrats are trying to do everything they can to uh, figure out some way where they can't let him run because they know a lot of them are in trouble if he does get back in. It's just a shame he's not our president right now. A lot of shenanigans went on. But I play golf with the president. Trump, I'll play with him this weekend. Uh, he, I tell you, he has that following everywhere he goes, and even a lot of Democrats. But most people that like President Trump are Americans. They're not Republican or Democrat. They're Americans that believe in the country that want to think that our country should go before everything else, which I also believe that. Mm -hmm. So uh, he hits the hearts of, of people everywhere, and uh, he's a very personable person. And uh, we saw what he did for four years. Uh, look at how far our country's gone down in this last uh, two and a half years. It's amazing. But uh, we got to get him back, and I think he will make it back. 
Well, you're also someone who's been looking out for our country, um, unlike some others, uh, as we've already noted. Uh, now, the Navy Secretary, Nikki Haley, and also some fellow conservatives and pundits all over the mainstream media say that you are, quote, aiding and abetting communist regimes and you're paralyzing the Pentagon. But at the same time, you're getting tremendous grassroots support for your courageous stand uh, for what you're doing. So what's your reaction to all this criticism? Well, I'm, it really doesn't bother me. You know, you, you, as you said earlier, and everybody knows, I'm, I've been a coach. I've been calling everything over the years that I was involved in coaching, whether it was other teams' fans or my own fans, uh, when you don't play or coach as well. So uh, it doesn't bother me. I'm, I'm an American. I believe in this country. I believe in the country that I grew up in, a great country. You know, my dad was career military, and I've got holes in all these generals and admirals. If I thought it was hurting readiness, I wouldn't be doing this. But mm-hmm. we've got a, a regime in this country right now that's uh, that's running the, the country from the White House and not through Congress. Uh, we're not getting a vote on the things that we should. That's called communism. Uh, you know, the, mm-hmm. everything that they've touched, it's gone bad. The border, crime, inflation, gas, everything has gone uh, the wrong way, Charlie. I hope people start realizing this. It, and we haven't hit the bottom. It's going to continue to go down. And worse than that, in your lifetime and my lifetime, this is the dangerous this country's ever been foreign relations wise. And look what we did yesterday on 9-11. We awarded Iran with $6 billion and, and releasing uh, prisoners. You don't do that in this country. You don't pay um, You don't pay for hostages. You work it out with appeasement. So uh, I, I'm, I'm glad I'm here. It's not a fun job. Uh, our country is in bad trouble. And we've got to get the animals away from the zoo up here because uh, right now that's who's running the zoo, the animals. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I just saw this stat from routers earlier this morning. New York City is facing a level of homelessness not seen since the Great Depression in the 1930s. Uh, Obviously, a lot of that has to do with the fact that millions of illegals have poured in across the southern border. Uh, I just am curious, do Republicans plan on doing anything about this or have they checked out? Because Senate leadership, as we know, they seem way more concerned about the borders of eastern Ukraine versus what's happening right here at home. Well, that's a good point. Uh, But, you know, the thing that President Trump did, he had the border not all the way way under control, but he had the right policies in place. But we have to have some kind of border policies, immigration policies. It's been kicked down the road for so long. People want to come here, you know, and we all love people. But the problem is the American taxpayers can't afford everybody to come here at one time. And we have to have people that come here that want to come for the right reasons, not to destroy our country. Uh, Charlie, we're broke. We're dead broke. We don't have any money. Our credit cards are maxed out, maxed out. It's getting worse. And uh, the uh, Democrats really don't care. Uh, they could care less. And when you get in looking at the little things behind the scenes, just talking about what really gets me is the American family is being destroyed by the Democrats. They do not want family. That's what's happening with this transgender movement, as we're seeing right now going into sports, uh, boys playing against women in sports. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my lifetime. And they are, uh, uh, they've got their arms around it on the left. Uh, they're pushing it. They want more of it. And it makes no sense to me. It just shows you how radical this group is. Yeah, absolutely. And and now getting back to sports a little bit, uh, I know that right now the transfer portal is absolutely blowing up. You have students all over the place wanting to switch schools in the name of NIL, right? It's not just about going to the college program that you idolized as a child or that recruited you in the first place. Uh, I know you've been working closely uh, trying to change the landscape of NIL, so I'd, I'd love to hear more about the bill that you're trying to get passed. 
Well, I, I got a Democrat, Joe Manchin, on the left. I had to, you had to get a one from each side to try to get something passed up here. Take 60 votes. And, I, and now this is not my bill. This is a bill from ADs, players, coaches, presidents, uh, the NCAA. We worked on it for a year and a half. And what we try to do is put base principles together where all 50 states have to do the same thing. Right now, we have everybody going in, in different directions. When you watch a couple of weeks ago when they started college football, you needed a roster to tell, hey, where are these, who are these players and where are they from? Things change overnight in terms of, of football teams. Listen, I'm fine with players making money. I've always been for that. But we have total transformations. We have kids that are not going to be recruited now in high school. People, are, the coaches are going to wait and say, we're going to just recruit off somebody else's roster. We're not going to take high school players. So it's going to cheat them. It's going to cheat Title IX in women's sports. They're not going to have funding because all the money is going to go to the players. There's a lot of things that are really going to go wrong with this. And, and if you just look at some teams like mm -hmm. USC, a couple years ago, they couldn't win a game. Well, they took all the players from Oklahoma. They had a good football team. Colorado did the same thing, totally transformed their team uh, into something that was totally different last year. Now, that's fine if that's the way they want to do it. But at the end of the day, it's all about money. It should be about education. It should be about getting as many kids in, into college athletics as possible and pushing that narrative where they can learn something. Right now, all they're doing is learning how to talk to a lawyer, talk to an accountant, talk to their agent, not worried about education and worry about, hey, if I don't get to play more, I'm going to transfer next year to somewhere where I can make more money and, and make my name a little bit stronger. It's uh, it, it's totally opposite of what we should be doing. But again, I'm for making money. Let's just do it the right way. And let's give everybody a chance to make some money. Uh, speaking of making money, you know, he's made a lot of money recently. Former President Trump off of his mugshot. Uh, everybody just wants to wear his face, uh, whether it's on a hat, on a shirt. Uh, it was interesting, though, because I noticed you said the other day that you recognize the look on Trump's face in his mugshot. Where have you seen that face before? He is the most competitive guy I've ever been around. And I've been a lot of a lot of great athletes. Uh, and again, I play golf with him. And uh, I've seen it a couple of times when, uh, you know, he'll miss a putt or... Uh, you might have uh, a better game the day that you played against him. Usually he and I play on the same team, but I've been on the other side of that a couple of times and seen that seen that look uh, because he likes to win in everything that he does. And that's the type of guy we need as president. But again, I should have wore my mugshot t-shirt today. I've got one of those. Uh, <laughs> and I think a lot of people have. He's selling right and left. But again, I think the people in Georgia, Atlanta, the district attorney, whoever that was, county attorney, who, who made him take this mugshot, uh, it backfired on him. Yeah, absolutely backfired. Do you think that's going to be probably what ends up pushing him over the edge? I think it's a good, there's a, there's a accumulation, of a lot of things that's going to push him over the edge. The one thing is our country is going to heck in a handbasket and people are starting to recognize it on both sides. Again, this is not a Republican or Democrat uh, situation, Charlie. This is an American problem. People that love America, uh, that want America to do great, or people that dislike America, that are pushing a, a, a narrative that really makes us into socialists. So uh, I don't think I don't think we're to that point yet in the, in the United States, but we better wake up pretty soon and get somebody back in there like Donald Trump. Absolutely. Hey, Coach, Senator, I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you coming here to wake up with us, and I can't wait to have you back. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie. 
your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Uh, okay, well, speaking of the narrative and the shift and the torture that our country is being put through right now, uh, Chicago voters shocked the world uh, when they voted out former mayor Lori Beetle- Beetlejuice. That's, that's her nickname. Uh, if you've seen any pictures of her, uh, you understand where that comes from. Lightfoot, uh, making her the first mayor to lose reelection in the deep blue city. Now, where is she now? You may ask. Listen to this. She's teaching at Harvard, running a class on how to teach students on how to run a city. I am totally not joking, uh, but don't give the voters too much credit because they actually managed to install someone arguably more incompetent in her place. Mayor Brandon Johnson, he has a stellar idea on how to tackle the growing migrant crisis. He wants to listen to this, set up winterized base camps, AKA tent cities, a la San Francisco, which newsflash, is a problem and not a solution. Thousands of migrants are reportedly overflowing from police stations, airports, and shelters, and this genius thinks putting people out on the streets is going to fix things. Hello, winter is coming. Uh, If you haven't been to Chicago in the winter, it's horrible. Uh, it's, It's one of the most miserable places you can possibly be. So I'm not understanding how they think that this is a solution in any sense. Uh, More like putting a problem on ice, not to mention uh, now he is putting the onus on Chicagoans, calling on residents to make sacrifices to address the needs of the migrants. If you ask me, I'm not really sure what that means. What kind of sacrifices are they expected to make? Are they expected to invite migrants into their homes, share their beds with them, make them breakfast in the morning? Uh, And if you didn't just hear my stat earlier, Routers is now reporting that the level of homelessness in New York City that we're experiencing here is at a level that we have not seen since the Great Depression in the 1930s. It's getting worse all the way around. Also, Mayor Eric Adams just announced that the police force is going to have to take budget cuts, uh, meaning that there's no more overtime pay for them because they have to deal with the migrant crisis. How are you expected to deal with the migrant crisis if you don't have police on hand? Crime is already getting out of control. I only see it getting worse. Uh, So something needs to happen here. And uh, I'm not sure when that's going to begin, but hopefully with a new administration, uh, as Senator Tommy Tuberville just alluded to. Uh, Now going from tone deaf to 
I guess we'll call it tone deafer uh, because this one's not great. DraftKings royally screwed up after offering a never forget parlay on the anniversary of September 11th, comprised of the Mets, Yankees and Jets games. After receiving an onslaught of backlash, as you would imagine that they'd receive, the sports book pulled the promotion and issued an apology saying they meant to commemorate the event with the parlay and they quote, respect the significance of this day for our country and especially for the families of those who were directed, directly affected. Uh, apology accepted, it's kind of tough. Seems like something that as a marketing person of DraftKings, you would know that this is the absolute wrong move to make. And I don't think it matters how much time goes by because it's always going to be too soon to joke about the most deadly terrorist attack on American soil. So definitely not a good look for DraftKings. Uh, but you know what? On that note, I'm not sure we could get any tone deffer. Uh, so we're going to leave it there for right now. See what we can come up with for tomorrow morning. So everyone, thank you so much for being here. That is all the time we have for Outkick this morning. Tomorrow, I'm joined here in studio by former NFL safety Jack Brewer. And as always, I want to thank you for being here right here with me uh, on Outkick the morning. And don't forget that you can hit that subscribe button. It's right there on the computer screen right in front of you. Uh, then you'll never miss a moment of the action. Plus... Drop a like, drop a comment, tell me what you liked, what you want to see tomorrow, later on in the week, and you know where to find me. I'm on social media with the handle at Charlie on TV. So everyone, thank you so much for being here, and we'll see you tomorrow.